Okay, mm-hmm. so another reason why there are so many uh, national games is because really exciting NHL.com came out with their uh, rankings. Did you get a chance to look at them? I have looked at them, yes. What did you think? Let's start with goaltending as Jake Ottinger shows up in the top 10. Um, let me pull it. I want to make sure I have this right here. This is their... Uh... They have two rankings. They have, and I don't want to throw people off, they have the fantasy rankings. Yeah. And then they have what they think are the rankings. Yeah. Because, and those are, those are two, I think people, we need to be very clear to people, right? The, uh, the fantasy hockey rankings are a much different thing, right? It's something where, um, I actually, uh, have to pay more attention to that this year because I am. I have a good friend of mine who invited me into his uh, keeper fantasy oh. hockey league. So, so I'm I'm playing. I'm, I'm actually playing fantasy hockey again for the first time in a while, Gavin. And and Gavin, I'll tell you, um, it's a keeper league, and I'm taking over for the guy that finished last in the league last year. So I'm getting Connor Bedard at number one in the keeper league. So it's well, I, I'll, I'll update. Pete. I think it's we're still going to be in a rebuild year on uh, on that team, but I'm going to get Bedard number one in that league. Nice. Anywho. Uh, fantasy in so they had if I remember if I've got the list am I looking at if I'm looking at the right list, um, they had Jake Ottinger at number seven yes. on this list yes and the um how they ranked these goalies the kind of etymology of how they got to it is interesting to me because it's not a list of the top ten goalies just from last season. If that was the case, Linus Olmark would be number one, right? Like after the year he had last year in the Vesna, he would clearly be number one. Um, This is to me more of a list made by their panelists of goalies. They would pick if they're building a team. Like, I think that was kind of the, the, the way you would look at it. And I don't mind Ottinger at seven. Agreed. I don't mind him at seven. I let's let's give the uh, let's give the tops yeah, just yeah, to yeah, put yeah, it in perspective. Yeah. So we had number ten was Thatcher Demko in Vancouver. Number nine was Philip Gustafson with the Minnesota Wild. Eight was Alexander Georgiev with the Colorado Avalanche. Seven's Ottinger. Uh, six is Linus Olmark with the Bruins. UC Saros number five for the Predators. Connor Hellebuck um, number four at number and then at number three Ilya Sorokin with the Islanders number two Igor Shosturkin with the Rangers and then number one Andre Vasilevsky the Tampa Bay Lightning um, to me where the debate comes I, I I I'm a firm believer that the three best goalies in the world right now are those three Russians I I, I think that's fair between Vasilevsky Shosturkin and Sorokin it is the golden age of Russian goaltending um, I think you could make the case after those three. I wouldn't be opposed to having Ottinger at four. I don't mind him at six. I wouldn't mind him at six. I think between him and Saros and Hellebuck, I think that's your next three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't dislike, I mean, Omar had a great season last year. Take nothing away from Omar's season, but he played behind a historically good Bruins team. And I think we saw how he got exposed in the playoffs a little bit. Um, but Ottinger to me is at the spot where the question is, is he the best North American goalie in the NHL? And that's a great, he's, he's in that conversation. It's either him or Hellebuck are the, one of the two, are the two best North American goalies in the NHL. And I think this past season, I think Ottinger passed Hellebuck. And I, I think it's, I, I think he should, I would have him in my top five. 
I would right now, I would have the top three they have. I would have UC Soros four. I'm a big UC Soros guy. I think he's he's incredibly UC Soros is a guy I'd love to see his numbers on an actual good team because what he does in Nashville is incredible. Yeah, he's special. And then yeah, and then I would have uh Ottinger. Ottinger and then Hellebuck. That's kind of the range I would have. And I think I think that's I, I'm open to the debate on that and the discussion on that. I, I just think this past year was the year that Ottinger passed Hellebuck for me. And whenever we do have that next Team USA best on best tournament, I think Ottinger will be the number one. And I think Hellebuck will be the number two as long as it happens within the next three years. And because obviously it's who knows with international hockey, right, Gavin? We hear yeah. this change all the time. But I think if we were to pick a Team USA right now, Jake Ottinger is my number one over Connor Hellebuck with Hellebuck obviously being a pretty good number two. Yep, I think it was a solid list. I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm also going to say it's a solid list as far as defense. Number one, Kale McCarr, Avalanche. Number two, Adam Fox with the Rangers. Number three, Miro Heiskanen. So those are your top three. And I think the advancement of Miro this past year was terrific, specifically after the All-Stars break. I think he took his game, which was already heading in that direction, but I think he took it to new levels um, and had a career high uh, year. Uh, That said, um, I think, Three is good. Uh, I think Adam Fox is a Norris candidate every year, as is as is Kale McCarr. I mean, wanted to get your thoughts, but I, I think a, a solid three for Miro at this, you know, at this point at his age, very good. I no, I, I I'm okay with three. I honestly, for me, I was actually more, I was more surprised he was at three, just based off you look at the other ones in the top five, um, McCarr, Fox, Hedman, Yossi. Uh, I was surprised he was above Hedman and Yossi simply not, not for my money, but for the panelists money. Absolutely. I was, I was surprised he is ahead of them because he hasn't won a Norris trophy. And so he's the only one in the top five that hasn't won the Norris. Um, And so I thought he would have gotten a little bit of what seems to be like this Charlie McAvoy treatment where McAvoy's at six. And I think McAvoy probably should be at four on this list. Um, But uh, McAvoy and, I thought he so I think it's it's he's right in the spot he should be. He's in that it's between if if I was to pick any defenseman in the NHL right now I'm picking Kale McCarr. That's just the reality of it. You're picking Kale McCarr. I'm, I'm picking Kale McCarr. But after that my conversation in between Fox and Hashkin is is a good one. It's a good debate and it's right where he should be. And it's uh to me it's also more telling of like these lists, while they don't determine who wins awards, are they're a lot like college football rankings, Gavin, where by it's a lot easier to win the Norris Trophy when you start the year at number three on a list like this. Yep. Right. Like it's it's like it's uh it's like it's it's why everyone complains about college football rankings before the season. They're like they haven't played a game yet. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's like uh, and you're and you're like, all right, well but it helps escalate and, and, and put teams higher than they should be and, and, and everything like that. I think this is a fair ranking for Miro and it helps set a fair bar for what the season should be for him. I agree. And then when you go to centers, you know, I mean, we talk about him a lot on this podcast, but we mentioned Miro Robertson and Ottinger at coming in at number 13, as far as top NHL centers rope, a which I thought it was great that he got that recognition. 
Yeah, I, it's, I think Hintz had, we obviously appreciated him and appreciated him watching him in Dallas and, and everything like that. But I think his performance in the playoffs, uh, his play down the stretch really started to swing people to kind of realize what he does on a night to night basis. So, yeah, so. absolutely. And when you say, wow, but he's 13, I mean, listen to these names. Number one, Connor McDavid. Number two, Nathan McKinnon. Number three, Dreisaitl. Number four, Austin Matthews. I mean, these are NHL stars. Five, Sidney Crosby. Jack Hughes of the Devils. Uh, Braden Point of the Lightning. Jack Eichel. I mean, the names go on. Barkoff from the Florida Panthers. Uh, Patterson from the Vancouver Canucks. And Tage Thompson, who had an amazing year for the Sabres. So it's not like, I don't know how much higher hints could climb. But, you know, once again, what's cool and getting national recognition that Robertson, Pavelski, and Hintz line, um, which yeah. is cool because when the top NHL lines come out, you always see that at the top of the list. So that's another reason why the stars are being featured on so many national uh, games. So that's pretty awesome. And then we shift finally to the uh, top NHL wings and uh, Jason Robertson, uh, pretty high on that list, uh, which is uh, wonderful. I got to pull it up right now. Uh, was he number six, Sean? They did. They did it as. Uh... Let's see. He came in at. Actually, number five. And they talk about him, led the stars in goals, assists, points. Uh NHL first all-star team, most by a Dallas, Minnesota, North Stars player since Madano. Uh, just goes on and on. Talk about his age at only 24, 18 points in 19 playoff games to reach the Western Conference final. So nice little uh, attribution to uh, Jason Robertson as well. So was this was this wings or what was this particular, was this both wings or was this because was which, which wing was this for? Was this for... They have it listed as top 20 wings, right and left. So they have top 20 centers, top 20 wings, top 20 defensemen. And then they have top 10 goaltenders. Okay. That makes sense. I was curious. So you want, you want me to do the list? Yeah. What was, what what was, what was that top five again? Okay. As I scroll way ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number one, Pasternak from Boston. Okay. Number two, Matthew Kachuk and the unreal year he had. Kucherov from Tampa Bay. Uh, Miko Rottenen from the Avalanche. Then Robertson. And then after Robertson, uh, Mitch Marner from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Kirill the Thrill, Minnesota Wilds. Ovechkin at number eight. Panarin, number nine from the Rangers, and rounding out the top ten, Brad Marchand of the Bruins. Yeah, it's pretty. No, I think I think that's fair. Yeah. for where he is on that. That's. Uh, I would. Uh, but good point. I, I'd like to see yeah, left yeah. wing and right wing. I, I know that yeah. nowadays in the NHL, a lot of positions are interchangeable, so to speak. As far mm-hmm. as you see some wings move into center, and you know, likewise. But at the same time, yeah, it would be nice to see. You know, because I mean, I'd like the power forwards to get some credit too. 
Well, yeah, and it would be, I mean, it would be interesting to kind of, like, since we still have an NHL end-of-season All-Star team, not the All-Star team, the end-of-season All-Star team, um, which is what really, really kind of matters um, for this, it would be interesting to see how how that all works out, how that shakes out, because, like, for example, uh, Kachuk, right? He's probably... Chuck right now is would be your first it's Chuck would be your first team left wing right now going into the season so to kind of break it down where if you're to try to handicap that race of left and left and right wings and all that stuff it would be interesting to kind of break that down a little bit further so yeah no you're 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 absolutely right uh I was looking real quick because you mentioned Connor Bedard and mm-hmm. just wanted to throw this you know on the list uh let's because the central division is going to be really interesting because there are some quality prospects in there. We already knew it was going to be tight, but you know, I think from a central division standpoint, I guess the St. Louis blues would be the the last as far as uh, you know, a team where you're going and you're like, wow, these players are great or I get to see, but I mean, you know, being able to see Connor Bedard, you know, a few times a year, that's that's pretty special. Despite that, the Chicago Blackhawks are building. You have a very young team in Arizona um, with some good youth that are coming in as well. So I, I think, you know, while it's a tight division and we look at the other divisions and say if the Dallas Stars played in this division, they'd be doing better or, you know, something like that. At the same time, I, I really do think that, you know, from a fan perspective, the fact that you get to see – Colorado several times a year you get to see the wild and the kind of rivalry um and then you get Chicago who's going to be coming up with Connor Bedard you know some some real good matchups to sink into Chicago's going to be a problem in about three years yeah that's when it's going to be like they are behind Bedard you talk about prospect stuff right now they have a they have another um Frank uh Frank Nazer who is uh would probably be Frank Nazer would probably be the top ranked prospect for 17 or 18 of the teams in the league. Um, and he's obviously being with Bedard being there. He's, 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 he's not for Chicago. Um, Chicago's got a lot of that prospect pool in Chicago is actually deep. A lot of times we talk about a deep prospect pool and it's people just lying to themselves. The Chicago prospect pool is actually deep and they've got a window here. That's kind of starting here and it's going to start slowly opening. I think, kind of next season and in the year after. And then they're going to be a problem because they're going to be a right now. It's fun to watch Connor Bedard and company to come to town because they're, it's still going to be a one man. Watch this future best player in the world before he is the best player in the world type scenario. Three years from now, three, four years from now, it's going to be, Oh geez, we got Connor Bedard coming to town and it'll be like Connor when Connor McDavid comes to town now where you start to get, worried yeah. about what he's going to do to you. Yeah. What about Logan Cooley in Arizona? There's there's some chatter about how well he's performing. I feel bad for that kid. Honestly, like <laughs> I, I, understand, I understand athletes embrace the pressure and expectation and, and everything like that, but um, the Coyotes themselves have gone and said the number one prospect in the world. I don't know if you saw that when they, they I came did. Out. That's they, what, yeah. They, the, the Coyotes called it that, and I, I think he... He may have a chance to, he may be, if, if, if you're betting on the Calder Trophy this year, 
he may actually be a good sneaky, not even a sneaky, he'd just be a good bet to win the Calder Trophy this year based off being, A, he's a year older than Bedard, so he's a little bit more of that physical maturity, he's a little bit more, he's coming from college hockey, he's he's beefed up a little bit more. And uh, someone's got to put up points in Arizona. So he's going to, he's going to play every single opportunity and, and cool. He's going to be a great player. I think he's a tremendous player. I also, uh, I feel bad because it's like, it's kind of like the tilting at windmills thing where I know at some point Arizona has to luck into a change and, and, and things like that. But I just, I keep struggling to see, the path forward to contention for the coyotes when every time you do have a piece that looks like you're going to build around or something like that. Like, I mean, we talked about the chicken thing the other day, like trading chicken away and getting pennies on the dollar yeah. chicken that, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in what they're building. Like it's, it's, it's to me, the whole the Arizona feels like, Arizona feels like you you go into the video game and you're like, oh, I want to rebuild a team from scratch and you spend a couple hours doing it and then you forget about it. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to build the team from scratch again. You just keep going over and over again. And that's what the Coyotes feel like to me. So I feel bad for Cooley because I just I don't have a lot of confidence in that team taking the next step. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they they find a way and they flip things sooner. I just I, I don't see there's a lot of bad teams where I will see the path forward or I will see what they're doing. Like I saw Buffalo, you've been able to kind of track mm-hmm. what they've been doing. Yeah. Um, Ottawa, you can kind of track what they're doing. Anaheim has Arizona, a good system coming. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm has something coming now. I think now that they've got Carlson, they'll start to build around that Columbus. You, you can see the path forward. Arizona is a team where it's like, Okay. I guess they're going to be a hockey team. Like that's what Arizona yeah. is right now. And I just feel bad for Cooley because he's being tasked with Connor Bedard. Isn't being tasked with saving hockey in Chicago. He's not being tasked with getting them new arena. Logan Cooley is getting those additional things of like, Hey, number one prospect in hockey who plays in a 5,000 person arena. Yeah. Like, that it doesn't it, 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 the optics of it. You're just kind of, I, I feel bad for Logan Cooley at times. Well, Sheldon Keefe signs a two-year contract to remain as the Maple Leafs coach. Were you surprised by this, Sean? Um, I was surprised. I'll be honest. I was surprised it was two years because it was the two it was the two-year extension. Yep. Um, I don't. Not that I disagree with it. I think Keefe is a fine coach. I think there's there's much worse you could do as a head coach in the NHL. Um, I would have thought with uh, it's kind of interesting. They had uh, obviously Kyle Dubas stepped down and left Toronto and, and, and Brad Sher living comes in and everything like that. And uh, I would have imagined. Uh, so Brad Sher living was taking over a coach that he didn't hire and, and not his guy and everything like that. And so um, if there was going to be an extension, I don't think they wanted him to coach on a lame as a lame duck coach right. this year but I would have thought maybe a one year deal or something like that would have been put in place to give both sides kind of a little bit of that. Hey, we're working with each other, but we also want to see what each other brings. So the two year pact was a little bit, the fact he got the two year extension was more surprising to me than he got an extension at all. Correct. Because it begins next season. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. And you know, a player that won't show up in the halls of the, the hall of fame, but, um, player that I really like two-time Stanley Cup 
uh, winner Carl Hagelin announces his uh, retirement after 11 NHL seasons. Good run. Yeah, I mean, he's he's together pretty good career. Like, yeah. it was, uh, he went, he, how many cups did he win? He Two. was, uh, won the Stanley Cup right. with uh, the Pens 2016, 2017. Yeah. 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 He had a, had a, he was a, he was a pretty good, he was a pretty good piece for all the teams he played for. I mean, he was, uh, yeah, hasn't yeah, played was, has hasn't played since 2022 March 1st when he got that. Do you remember this? He got that. Uh, he was struck with a stick blade during a practice. I do. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so he hasn't played in a while, but he also underwent surgery twice for his left hip. Uh, he's been on long term injured reserve. <laughs> the man deserves a vacation. <laughs> Yeah, but just a warrior. One, I think he also had was silver medal at the Olympics. I think um, I'm assuming he was on one of those. I mean, he was he was a pretty good. I don't have that Swedish roster locked in in my brain, but I'm pretty sure he was part of those Swedish teams in the mid 2010s. Uh, he was a pretty good career. Let me yeah, I'm looking at his hockey hockey DP. While you do that, because I know you have a relationship with Alex Chason. Has he gone into detail with you? And you mentioned that he's trying out for the Bruins, former Dallas star. Yeah. How much that night with Rich Peverly against the Columbus Blue Jackets affected him in his did it affect him in his career? Has he have you ever talked to him about that? Um, I haven't because I mean not recently. I mean, he's someone who um he had a he was he had a pretty he had a pretty bad for people who don't remember obviously everyone remembers the rich peverly um the rich peverly incident and everything like that it's a great thing he's good he's 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 healthy now and he's everything like that um but alex shazon had a was right there when it happened yep. and he had suffered an anxiety attack right after the i don't know when it started obviously it's uh kind of one of those um but uh it's uh i i can't really imagine what's what i mean it's so i have not spoken to to alex Shazon directly about that night uh recently or anything like that um we've had a conversation here and there over the years about it um but uh alex Shazon, i will say this about him he has a bit of that uh doesn't take anything for granted um has been willing to kind of work for everything in his career and everything like that and uh that's something when uh rich the rich peverly story is it's, it's horrifying right it's yeah horrifying to see that happen. yeah i mean also, i was uh, i was five it's, rows it's, away i mean yeah, yeah. It, it was it's the fr- it's, it's the fragility of life but it's also the fragility of a career like yeah. i mean i think there's people it's it's the you know, this is a great a great way to uh to, to tease the book which gavin is normally my my, my cheerleader for this but Hype the fact up. that uh, uh stephen meserve wrote a great chapter about in, in our book about ben bishop's final game where Ben bishop goes down to texas plays one conditioning game and then a couple days later we learn that was the final game of his career like you don't know you don't know when you're getting 
pulled from the game, right? Like you you don't know when it's happening. And I think a little bit of that career mortality um, can be, uh, for, I don't, I don't like the exact phrasing, but it can be a bit of a healthy thing for, Absolutely. for what, what you work for and, yeah. and everything like that. So, Heck of a career for um, Chase on. Really, yeah. really has. I mean, he's actually, I think he's kind of changed his style to fit the various teams that he's been on. Yeah. And he's, he's been a really good net front guy. Like he's yep. got, there's, there's little things that, um, he has found ways to fit and found ways to do things that aren't always easy. And, um, most guys on PTOs, I don't expect to make the team, but Alex Shazon is the one guy in a PTO. You're like, yeah, I can see it happening just yeah. because he's done it. Just because he's done it. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Plano's own uh, Stefan Noison. Is that, am I correct in that? Am I? Nason. Nason. He's done a good job, Nason. you know, he, with Carolina. Uh, came mm-hmm. in, made the team, and he's become a net front princess with them uh, last year as well. Yeah. So, I, I think that's yeah. a good one. Hey, I wanted to end on a positive note. Um, Let's do it. So, I, I tweeted this out. NHL.com retweeted it. So, we all know Eric Carlson got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So his daughter developed a relationship with the Sharks mascot. And you can find it on my Twitter. Uh, the Sharks tweeted out, it's not a goodbye, it's a see you later, dash Sharky. And Sharky shows up to the house in a tuxedo with a big rose mm-hmm. and spends the day with Eric's child. And basically, you know, the son and the daughter, but more of the daughter, and the hugs and the embraces and going to the playground and going down slides. And it just put it in perspective that I think as fans of the game, as people who sometimes cover the game, like Sean, I think we look at the players and sometimes we get caught up in fantasy leagues or get up, get caught up in wins and losses. And we don't give enough credit to the wives, the families who have so many responsibilities. So the players can do what they do. And I think it would have been, no one would have mentioned anything if the Carlsons move on to Pittsburgh and San Jose goes on and does their thing. But to take that extra effort and to recognize the relationship with his daughter and to go to that house and spend the day for a player who's been traded, I just thought that was really special, Sean. I really did. I thought that, you know, it shows you know, that these organizations can truly embrace the players and their families. And to me, if if I'm a player and I know San Jose is in the middle of a rebuild and, and Mike Greer is trying his best to get San Jose back on the map, but I think sometimes probably families look at things like this and say, this is a good market for us to be in. Well, it's, I mean, the Stars, when the Stars signed uh, Joe Pavelski, um, there was Pavelski was looking at both uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay. And it's uh, actually wrote something about Joe Pavelski earlier this week at D magazine and his golf game. Joe Pavelski is a really good golfer, by the yes. way. Um, and uh, it's, there it wasn't a coincidence that he was looking at Dallas and Tampa where both had full year, full year round golf seasons like they have in San Jose. Um, but the, uh, one of the things that, it was it was put together by uh, by former Stars PR guy Tom Holy, who is now actually an assistant GM for the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tom put together a video, helped 
helped get a video for Joe's son, Nate Pavelski, of potentially welcoming them to Dallas uh, from the Dude Perfect guys. Because they knew that Nate is Nate Pavelski, Joe's son, is a big Dude Perfect fan and everything like that. And obviously money and fits are in hockey were one of the main reasons, but it certainly didn't help the Pavelski family decision that uh, these guys that are heroes from Dallas were welcoming uh, their kid as well. So stuff like that doesn't, uh, it, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. If we, if we, if, we, uh, if we're, if we're being truthful. Yeah, with no, you're absolutely right. And I did tag Victor E green on this <laughs> tweet that I sent out. And I said, PS, Victory Green, my house is always welcome to you, my friends. I'm hoping this weekend, maybe. I mean, it's the off season, so he really doesn't have anything else to do. Maybe we'd hang. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just a. Well, does he talk? It's. Uh, did you? I. I don't know. I'm. I'm hopefully, I'm not gonna. If If I'm not on the podcast in the future, it's because the mascots got me. The mascots all have a secret <laughs> Facebook page. Do they really? Uh, that- they do. They do. They all have a, the mascots all have a secret Facebook page that only mascots are allowed to have access to. And they chat through that and everything. And, wow. Uh, if, uh, if, uh, if I'm, if this is my last appearance on the, uh, on Spitz and Sud, it's because I, I, uh, I divulged the wrong state secret on that. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad it'll be the way I went out. So. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I am pro mascot. I, yeah. I laugh at them still to this day. I think it's a a wonderful feature that teams provide. I don't understand why some fans finding it annoying because I think for the kids, it's an amazing way to connect directly. They look at these mascots as uh, celebrities. I love the bits they do now. Um, Social media has taken the mascot, you know, to the next level. And I think a young Gavin Spittle would certainly be into sports um, like he is today. But I think the San Diego chicken helped him too. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, the baseball bunch, the San Diego chicken and those antics and everything, that attracted me to the game. So I, I think, I, you know, I'm pro mascot. You pro mascot, Sean? I am. I am. I Good. think it's uh, uh, Detroit, I believe, is the only team that doesn't have like a actual like mascot at, at games. Um, they do have like the, they do have the, the, the octopus like, imagery but they don't actually have a octopus mascot and i think it's i say this as someone who has kids like it uh we took our this this earlier this summer we took our kid i took uh, the kids to uh to a tigers baseball game and there was uh it just the, the kids being able to take pictures and high five the tiger mascot i think his name is pause i think yeah like, that that's that's a big deal and they had a good time at the baseball game and they'll want to go back. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we sometimes forget about when we get on our high horse about something was this is a game. Games are supposed to be fun. Let's try to, and having a mascot there, it doesn't hurt your, it doesn't hurt you as an adult. It doesn't just, just at the end of the day, it doesn't, even if you want to laugh and say that's childish, just don't look at it. Just like you don't watch the cartoon network or whatever. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) absolutely. So when I got married in Houston, um, I was a big fan of Clutch, and I hired him to show up at my out-of-town uh, happy hour get-together. And what I didn't realize when I hired him, Sean, was is it was a pretty fancy restaurant. So mm-hmm. here comes Clutch all lit up, and there was a couple, and I could tell the guy was not happy because Clutch banged that table. 
pretty hard, <laughs> and the guy had to grab onto the wine glass, and Clutch yeah. comes over, and I was like, man, this is so great. Like, I think that worked <laughs> out better than my wedding. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, still, I just, I, I think it's so great to embrace the mascot. So I just thought that was super cool. And you could tell that Carlson was so thankful. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. He he appreciated, you know, that goodbye. Um, and I'm sure every single time they go to San Jose, the daughter will want to go because she wants to see her friend Sharky. So that's uh, pretty yeah. awesome. Any mascot stories in the book, we win here. Uh, no, uh, no specific mascot stories, but there is a pretty good piece in there from Steven again about kind of the importance in minor league hockey of the theme night experience, the going above and beyond just the hockey part of it, because while you're going to get the diehards, you're going to get the, the people who are hockey fanatics in Cedar park, which by the way, um, if you're listening in Dallas, I highly suggest driving down to uh, Cedar Park for training camp. It's a yes. great, it's a great spot. The arena, it's a great spot to see the players, the team up close. It's you, sh- you should definitely do it. Um, uh, quick side note of that, and we'll we can talk more about. Uh, we can give people some more suggestions on where to eat and stuff like that closer to uh, actual training camp. But it's it's in, in the book we went here. Stephen has a nice piece about how important it is to connect to other parts of the community beyond just the people who understand the game already because it's important to continue to create those touch points for everyone. Yeah. I would also suggest stars fans. If you get a chance, go see the team in Cedar park this year, some terrific prospects. And as Sean mentioned, you're right on the ice. It's a terrific arena. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Really, really exciting. So we win here as the book. That was a good plug, Sean. That was a really good plug today. <laughs> so that's going to do it yep. for Spits and Suds. We only have a few more of these left because guess what, guys? We're about to kick off the regular season. So we'll continue uh, to bring you Spits and Suds on a weekly basis uh, as we see the news, as we get closer to NHL training camps. And uh, as we mentioned at the top of the program, if you are just joining us, Jordy Ben signs a PTO contract, and we discuss that as well as a bunch of other things. If you have suggestions that you'd like us to talk about, questions for us, feel free to reach out to Sean or myself. He's at Sean Shapiro on X slash Twitter, and I am at GJ Spittle. And if you want to email me directly, yeah. I was just going to say, you, you have such that radio host. You, like, if you're just joining us now, like the person is like, <laughs> like someone's listening to spits and suds in their room and somebody just like in their living room and someone walked by like old timey radio. That's like, so that's, that's great. Yeah. But yeah like, thanks, who's man. who's thanks. just joining us now? <laughs> you know, I said that and I was like, man, that's such a radio thing. That is not that's a podcast thing. thing. Like all of a sudden someone picks up the podcast at 56 minutes and says, why aren't they talking about Jordy Ben? This is ridiculous. It's what we call in the business a reset. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, I am glad you poked at me for that because <laughs> that was a very on air thing. I imagine that there's not like I really hope that there's somebody who's listening in their car or whatever and just pick somebody up in their car. Like maybe someone's listening on an Uber driver and Uber drivers listening to spits and suds and they pick somebody up in Dallas and they're like, Oh, what are you listening to? And that's like, Oh, they missed Jordy Ben. Oh no, you didn't. Here's Gavin. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let me, let me just move that line back and get to the top story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. It's ingrained after 30 years. (laughs) Yes. 
It's fair. It's fair yeah, a- absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you Luds too. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it. I won't refresh what we talked about today, but I will thank Sean Shapiro for joining us as always. And that's what I love about this program. We get to laugh. We get to tell you stories that we think are interesting, and we truly do appreciate your support of this program. So for Sean Shapiro of D Magazine, of Shap Shots, of EP Ringside, and of the book We Win Here, I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Spits and Suds.